ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and my guest today is Michael Roderick. And first of all, welcome to the call, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're very welcome. Michael and I actually met through a referral uh, process, and, and basically the person that introduced me, I had just met not long um, before, but he need, he's new and is very astute about who would be a good referral for me for my podcast, and he introduced me to Michael. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Michael, and we'll go from there. He is the CEO of Small Pond Enterprises, which helps thoughtful givers become thought leaders by making their brands referable, their messaging memorable, and their ideas unforgettable. He's also the host of the podcast, Access to Anyone, which shows how you can get to know anyone you want in business and in life using time-tested relationship building principles. Michael's unique methodology comes from his own experience of going from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. Michael now speaks and consults on how individuals and companies can create referable brands for themselves so they can be top of mind for partnership, media opportunities, and more. And is also, Michael is also a published playwright. And there's so much to ask, Michael, that I'm just <laughs> going to jump in right now. So sure. I'll start, Michael, I think with, um, first of all, I was fascinated by the fact that you became a Broadway producer. Like, you were a high school teacher. What what made that jump for you? Yeah, I mean, I was always, <clears throat> I had always had an interest in the theater. So I was always working on lots of different, uh, different theatrical projects. And while I was teaching, I was working on a lot of these like smaller shows in that like 99 seat and under arena that uh, New York sort of has. Um, but the thing that I had learned about was that Broadway producing is mainly about credit. It's mainly about like, I'll raise this amount of money for you. And then I get my name above the title on the show, right? Or I get my name as part of sort of the producing team. So I did something that was a little different. I uh, went to a bunch of different producers and I basically said, you know, listen, I don't really care about credit right now. I just want to get better at raising money. Uh, so I ended up getting a lot of deal flow as a result of that. I had a lot of producers just give me their paperwork because there really wasn't much of a risk on their end, right? All I was doing was going out to potential investors and saying, do you want to put money into this project kind of thing? So the, the flip side of that was the fact that most producers were trying to sell one property, right? Trying to get people to invest in one property. But I was coming to investors with a portfolio because I had four or five properties that other producers had sort of handed my way. So I ended up raising a bunch of money for a bunch of different projects. And that really built my credibility in the industry. And next thing I knew, one of my colleagues reached out to me and said, you know, if you can raise this amount of money on this show, 
be happy to offer you credit. And that's really how I ended up getting uh, Scottsboro Boys and, and sort of moving from there. Did you do other shows then after that? Did you continue yeah. to produce? Yeah, okay. I did. Um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't get involved personally in a lot of shows like where I put my name on them. Uh, but I did do a lot of both raising money behind the scenes, introducing other producers to investors, introducing other producers to each other uh, and things of that nature. There were only a handful of shows that I personally ended up raising, deciding to raise money on and put my name on. Um, but I did connect a lot of people to a lot of different uh, opportunities within that space after Scottsboro. Very interesting. And for those in my audience who may be interested, the the story of the Scottsboro Boys um, Broadway show in itself, but the real story is very, very interesting and uh, worth a deep, deeper dive to know more about. It's, of course, one of those sad stories of um, racial prejudice, I think, and being yeah. in the wrong, wrong time as well. But very interesting. But where I want to go from there for you it's uh with you is okay so you did all of this around producing and your podcast is called access to anyone and it's mm -hmm. fascinating i listened uh to a couple of episodes actually yesterday and um and so is that a does that name come from the process that you used to uh to create or build those connections that helped you in that broadway production piece and tell me what your seat yeah. what's your seat yeah yeah well I mean the show the show came about uh because I had a friend who had been doing a bunch of podcasts and he reached out to me and basically it was like you just introduced me to so many fascinating people. Uh, I think we should interview them. Like, I think we should get to, you know, I think we should get to know them. So I was like, okay, um, but we want to have a theme for the show. So, you know, what would be a good theme? And as we started to talk about it, it was like, well, the, the real thing that came up over and over again was this aspect of access to anyone, right? Being able to uh, meet uh, anyone that you know, anyone that you want, connect with the people that seem, you know, completely far away or, or difficult, you know, difficult to connect with. And ultimately, the interesting thing about it is that access is what we always focus on. Um, and, you know, as individuals, we're always thinking, like, how do I get access? How do I have this conversation? But really, it's actually not about access at all. It's about interest. So, if you can create enough interest on the other side where somebody is curious about you, they very, very often will respond to your outreach. They'll, they'll, you know, want to connect with you. They'll want to meet you. They'll, they'll want to know more about you. And I think that the mistake that I see a lot of people make when it comes to the beginning of building a relationship is that they don't give any opportunity for curiosity to come into play, right? You, you get an email from somebody or a LinkedIn message or you know, any number of these other social media channels and the message is literally them explaining to you their business and their value and why you should get together and why you should talk to them. So there's really no mystery there, right? It's just very easy to say yes or no. Whereas if somebody asks you a really interesting question, or if somebody has read your stuff and says, oh, I was really curious about this, or I just thought, you know, you know, I think that this is very similar to this person's work or this, whatever it is, 
then you're like, oh, wow, well, you, you really understand me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you obviously have an interesting question. So, you know, let's, let's ha- continue that conversation and sort of go, go forward. And I think that that's the biggest thing. We don't spend enough time creating enough curiosity in people's minds uh, for them to reach back out to us or, or connect to us when we do this outreach. Oh, that is so, there's so many nuggets in there and I totally couldn't agree more. So um, just to take it back um, um, from me to you is, uh, all right, so I want to meet so-and-so and I just reach out. And when I reach, I can reach out through LinkedIn because I can connect or I can connect through a connection of mine or whatever. And I'm fascinated. I need to do my homework. I need to um, look at their LinkedIn profile or look at their website or get a sense of, of their work and, and in a sense, even flatter them, right? Because you want to show them that you've paid attention and that's why you're curious and that's why you want to reach out. So flattery can get you anywhere in some circles, <laughs> however, um, but um, with busy people, you want to draw attention quickly to the fact that you're not just throwing up all over them about yourself. You're fine. You want to know more about them in a, in a thoughtful way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, there's a couple of different things there. So, so the first is the aspect of um, flattery can be very, can, can be very helpful. Um, but it can also be very dangerous if it is not coming from a place, uh, from a real place. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah. and, and you see a lot of these instances where people will say something like, I love your podcast and you follow up with them and say, Oh, what episode, you know, was yeah. your favorite? And they can't, they can't answer you. Right. They get They, they don't know. Um, so, you know, there's that aspect, but there's also the aspect of, I've seen lots of instances where somebody will say that they thought something was interesting or that they thought something was compelling. And the more that you dig in, you realize that they were just saying that to, you know, to get a reaction, right. Or to get, you know, to get a response. So it's really, really important to always pay attention to your own interests and basically be like, okay, well, is this something I really am curious about? Is this, you know, somebody that I really do want to get, you know, get to know better? Um, Or am I just reaching out because I think they're the right person, you know, because I think they're the person I should, uh, I, I should know, as opposed to, do I actually have an interest in what this person has to say? Uh, because if you do get that meeting or you do get that conversation, you're not going to be able to fake it. Uh, you know, throughout that whole, uh, throughout that whole scenario. So true. It's so true. Um, Okay. So um, can you give me an example of someone that you wanted to get to know and um, the positive result that happened from it? Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been dozens of them. I'll go back a little ways. Um, So, What's that? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. There's there there's lots of different there's lots of different examples out there. Um, One that's kind of fun is when I was still producing. um, I had worked on a play um, by Edward Allen Baker, Uh, and Edward Allen Baker is a really good playwright. Um, He wrote this play called uh, North of Providence, uh, which is this one act that gets done a lot. There's lots of, you know, lots of performances of it out there. Um, 
And I very distinctly remember realizing as I, you know, looked at it that I'm originally from Rhode Island. So, you know, realizing, oh, he's writing about, you know, he's writing about Rhode Island and, oh, look, he is from Rhode Island. Like when I did some research, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So I was producing a version of the play and I reached out to him and basically said, you know, A, I love this play. I'm producing it, right? Um, B, I'm also from Rhode Island. Um, you know, would you want to, you know, hang out? Would you want to chat a little bit? Uh, and we ended up having, we ended up having a really nice lunch. He ended up coming to the performance of the show uh, and the actors were blown away. They were like, how did you get the playwright here? Right. Yeah. And it, it was that just like genuine sort of outreach and, and interest where it's like, oh, this is kind of a fascinating, you know, a fascinating thing. Um, and I've had instances like, um, you know, I've had, uh, I've had conversations with Seth Godin, um, you know, whether, you know, in person or, you know, at his office or whatever scenario was, because I would read something of his and then just reach out and say, hey, you know, this was fascinating or this was really interesting. And, it, you know, it would be a quick, you know, email exchange. But at, over time, there were other things that would come up and I would be in touch. And then I had a friend who, you know, was working with them at one point. So I went to their, you know, I went to the office and got to, you know, say hello. And, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you do the outreach, you let them know kind of what you're thinking about or like what's interesting to you. And the other big thing about this is it, it's not going to hit every time, right? So I, I call this the, the tennis novice versus the tennis pro approach. So a, a tennis novice, if they miss a shot, the game's kind of over, right? Uh, and a lot of the time that's because they're so uh, obsessed with the product, right? The end product, they're a slave to the product. So if they don't get, if they miss the shot, everything's sort of out of control because they're in their own head. Whereas a tennis pro misses a shot and basically says, okay, I missed a shot. What can I learn? Right? Um, where was I standing? Where was the other person standing? And even if they lose the game, they will go back and look at that game and they will figure it out and they will keep, they will keep going. And that's because a tennis pro is a student of the process. Hmm. So the thing is, if you're a student of the process, as opposed to a slave to the product, you never see failure as failure. You only see failure as new information. So when you're doing outreach and you're reaching out to somebody, they may not respond. But that's new information that tells you, okay, well, I tried this type of outreach. It didn't necessarily work the way that I wanted it to, you know, and then you will also have to decide for yourself, do you really want to know that person? Because if you do, then maybe you do follow up. Maybe you do find other channels to see if you can get into a conversation with them, right? Um, but that outreach, it's, you've got to approach it from that angle of, yeah, it might hit, it might not. Um, but you'd be surprised at how many people do respond. Even when we think, uh, I, I often like to say that, um, everybody's a celebrity to somebody, but celebrities relative to everybody. Right. So we may think of somebody as a celebrity. We may have seen their Ted talk, read their book and think, wow. But to somebody else, that's their cousin. That's their best friend. That's somebody that they've known forever. Right. So you just never know what levels of connections the people in your network already have, you know, to this person. And you never know how busy they actually are. There's lots of instances where people think, oh, well, they're going to be way too busy to answer my email. And then they do. Yes. Yes. Okay. Two things 
running around in my head. One is, have you ever asked Seth Godin, or are you interested in asking Seth Godin to be a guest on your podcast? Number one, I just listened um, yeah. not long ago on um, Lewis Howe's um, podcast. And he's kind yeah. of an interesting guest, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Seth is a very, very interesting guest. He's got a lot of really interesting things, uh, interesting things going. Uh, I may ask him at some point to, you That's know, to, to be on to be on the show i think it's one of those things where with different types of people it's it's what is the what's kind of the purpose and what's the timing so if he's got another book coming out right uh at mm -hmm. some point or he's promoting something it may make sense uh especially if it's something that i'm interested in learning more about and and getting to and getting to discover but i'm not necessarily going to just reach out to him to say hey would you be on my podcast without really having any sort of impetus behind it, sort of any, you know, thing behind it other than I want Seth on my podcast, you know what I mean? Um, so, so I think that that's, you know, that's one of the things is like any time that you're doing this outreach and you're having these conversations or you're talking about having somebody be a guest, it's like, okay, well, what's the purpose behind this? Like, what is the thought process here? Why would it be a potential, you know, a potential fit or not a potential fit? What's going on in their lives? The other thing that I think we often forget about is just like the actors only have certain time where they're on the couch for those, you know, um, talk shows and things like that. And the rest of the time they're working on their movies. So they're not doing the interviews. All of the celebrities in that personal development space and writing space are the same way. They're going to, they've got time where they're spending writing their books and then they've got time where they're spending promoting their books. So it's like, where do we fit in that, uh, you know, in that conversation when we reach out to these people? And the other piece that, that you mentioned in, in, when you were talking about the celebrity piece, it reminds me of, um, so you live in New York, Right. Mm -hmm. And I have spent a fair bit of time in L.A. because I fa my family is there. We're not Americans, but we have we're in L.A. And over the years, you know, um, we would uh, cite celebrities if we were there over Christmas. They're all out Christmas shopping, whatever. But what was really interesting to me was that like when you see a celebrity and I'm using that in quotation marks, um, movie stars, whatever, they're just people. And so don't fall all over them. Don't, you know, um, embarrass yourself and them in that situation. And when you're, when you live in New York, when you live in LA, it's common, you know, like it, it's not yeah. no big deal. And, but when you just go there to visit from Wichita, Kansas or whatever, it's like <laughs> a bigger thing, right? So yeah. <clears throat> And, and no offense to anybody who lives in Wichita, Kansas, but, um, you know, it just makes me think that you're right. I mean, you have to put that they're just somebody's mother, father, sister, brother, whatever. So don't get your knickers in a knot about it, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so the one thing, you know, I'm, I was fascinated because you are all about teaching relationship building, just as I am about building relationships and teaching people how to do that on LinkedIn personally. Mm -hmm. But you um, founded a conference for connectors called mm -hmm. ConnectorCon. Yep. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I'm sure. fascinated. Yeah. So the conference, um, I, I ran it for about three years. Um, and uh, basically, 
the conference came out of the fact that I can't, I went to a bad conference, right? So I, I got back from this really bad conference and I realized that in a lot of conference situations, uh, everybody's wearing name tags and everybody's sort of evaluating each other. So they're like looking at the name tag and basically being like, well, you know, who do you work for? And sort of, you know, what is that scenario? Um, and a lot of the time, if there are speakers, if there are people who are sort of, you know, uh, speaking at the conference, presenting at the conference, doing workshops at the conference, they're kind of put up on this pedestal and they're doing their talk. And in some cases they're like running out the door at the, you know, at the end and there isn't really that opportunity to sort of interact. Right. So I basically said, okay, well, if I did a conference, how would I think about it? So what I did was I created this conference called ConnectorCon, and it was focused on the idea of bringing connectors together. So getting people from all different walks of life who have these, um, you know, this, this desire to connect and sort of help each other to learn what is best practice in building partnerships, building relationships, et cetera. But the way that the conference was structured was you filled out uh, basically an application to come and I only accepted a certain number of people in each industry as well as at what at different levels of that industry. So you had high level people, you had sort of mid tier people, you had beginners, uh, you had people from fashion, you had people from finance. It was a very, very sort of eclectic, eclectic mix. And the thing was you would get a booklet of who was there, uh, but it said their name and what they needed help with, not their job title. So nobody had a job title, right? So every time you would walk up to somebody and you were having a conversation with them, you had no idea if that was somebody who was going to be speaking later, later, or if that was somebody who was going to be making drinks later, or if that was somebody who, um, you know, was acting in, you know, a skit later, like you had no idea. So there wasn't that sort of hierarchical uh, kind of dynamic that, that was, you know, part of the whole thing. And then on the speaker side, I asked all of my speakers to be participants. Um, so I basically said like, yes, you're going to speak on a panel, you're going to do a workshop, but I want you to actually sit in on other workshops. I want you to hang out with people. I want you to be at the lunches. I want you to be part, you know, of this. And all of the participants, uh, you know, all of the speakers also mixed with the participants, which, you know, led to a lot of really great opportunities. There are a lot of people who started businesses together out of that conference and met people. I, I know some people who ended up becoming Broadway producers because of somebody that they met, you know, at that at that conference. So it was a, it was a real, real blast um, uh, to, to work on and, and to do over the years. It sounds like it. It sounds like something I would have loved to be part of. Um, so one of the things I noticed when I'm looking at um, your website and it was something mm -hmm. that came up in the connector con that I was fascinated by. And that yeah. was um, the art of deep listening. Mm -hmm. I always tell people and teach people that it's, you know, you need to listen, you need to pay attention. It's not about you, as I said earlier, throwing up all over everybody. Um, yep. And uh, and so tell me about deep listening. I talked yeah. about active, but what's deep listening? Yeah. So, so deep listening is really taking the time to emotionally connect to the person at the same time that you're doing this sort of active listening. Right. So, so the thing is like, we can listen and just sort of process information and it's hard enough to actively listen right? Like it's hard enough to make sure that we're sort of following and sort of staying, you know, staying involved there. But when we're talking about deep listening, 
we're basically saying like, am I tapping into what is actually behind what this person is saying? Because we have lots of instances where we talk about something and in essence, we kind of put up a front, you know, um, or we, we shade things a little bit in terms of how we're feeling or sort of what's going on. But when you're doing deep listening, you notice it. You can tell something's up, you know, something's off. You can tell there's, you know, something that should be, you know, that, that should be addressed. Uh, and that's really how you think about it. Okay, so I think I think I was doing this the other day. Tell me if you think this is so, because this is one of the things, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, but I, I'm like, I, I have an intuition sometimes that I, I need to, to uh, or that works for me when I'm, okay, I was training a client on, a link, on LinkedIn and she needed to rework her um, about section, which is the story about you and, and so forth. And I have my own method, my own, format of how I do that. And so we were getting, and I said, the very beginning of it needs to speak to, you know, maybe a curiosity piece. Why would I want to read further and so on? And, um, and then we got talking and she was saying something about, um, I forget now exactly, but it was about, you know, how she made a transition from A to B and how money, money, was an issue for her and that and I and I said to her don't get me wrong but I said I don't think money was the issue I think it might have been like a complete change in your life like divorce or like a death she said you're absolutely right it was a divorce and mm -hmm. and it's like you know you, if you have that ability to be able to without hurting someone's feelings or taking them where they don't want to go to get to that deeper level i think that's what you're talking about in one sense is that correct totally totally yeah if you if you notice something and you're able to uh, you're able to call it out in a way that still keeps the yeah. other person in that safe space yes. right um it is a significantly more powerful interaction, right? Uh, well, because the there's so factor. many. The trust yeah. factor, doesn't exactly. It? Yep. Yeah. yeah. There. Yeah. There's that aspect of trust, but it's also there's also this this aspect too of I'm really listening to you, right? Like I'm really listening to you. I'm really, I'm, I'm understanding what you're, you know, what you're going through. Right. And what you're, you know, what, you, you know, what you're dealing with. And the, the thing I often like to say about this is that you can't underestimate the significance of making other people feel significant. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, are you familiar with the acronym for listen? For listen. I don't think so. Oh, I'm so glad because I thought you would know it for sure. I asked people when we're talking about listening, the word is silent. Oh, I see. <laughs> cool is that? that is very cool. That is very, very cool. <laughs> read it about listening, but you know, it's not my thing, but I, I learned it and I thought it was a very powerful uh, acronym in a way. Right. Yeah. And right. So, um, uh, I think as I've, um, as I've had my, as long as I've had my podcast, I think I have learned more and more about deep listening. And so I'm really, I really think that's, that's so important when you're trying to build relationship with people. Oh yeah. So 
one of the things I think that you teach in your um, uh, business to entrepreneurs and people uh, that want to, um, uh, I guess, build their business on relationship building, as I mm-hmm. like to do, is to find out how referable are you. So yes. tell me about because I, I'm putting it in the right context anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, so ultimately, um, we've we've sort of hit this point where if somebody can't explain very easily to a friend of theirs what it is that you're actually able to do for them, they'll refer somebody else that business, right? So the mistake that often happens is that we don't think about how do I make sure that I am referable? How do I make sure that people are super, super clear on what it is that I actually have to offer so that when they go to a friend or they go to a colleague, they're able to say it in a sentence, right? They're able to get it you know, very, very distinctly down so that you don't have to worry about somebody being like, well, I'm not really sure. Like, what does that actually mean? You know, all of those different types of things. So the more that you focus on thinking about how is somebody else going to talk about this, the more referable you become. And I often like to say we spend way too much time thinking about how to tell our story and not nearly enough time thinking about how someone would retell the story. Mm -hmm. I love that. So is it important, though, to include in that your USP, your unique selling proposition? I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's very important, right? Um, and I think you, you, want to, you want to make sure that it's not, it's not so kind of, um, I guess, overt and sort of, you know, sort of salesy sounding, right? Um, but you do want to communicate the value that you're going to provide for somebody else, right? Like uh, I, I call it giving yourself an F. Like you want to talk about what you do for the client, right? Not what you do, but what you do for the client, right. what transformation you provide. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again like teaching the difference between um, features and benefits, right? Yeah, exactly. Different different contexts, but yes. Okay. Um, so Michael, what would you, what piece of advice would you say has helped you the most in your business that you can Mm -hmm. share with my audience? So again, there's, there's, there's been a lot of them. Um, but I think the one, yeah, I, I think the one that comes to mind uh, the most that I, that has been probably the most transformational for me um, was this conversation that I had where I was talking to an investor and he talked about the idea of, he called it cleaning your pipeline, um, where basically the idea is that you take the time to really curate the the network that you have and be very thoughtful about the relationships that you're developing and how you're developing them and you know that whole side of things um and that has been one of the biggest factors in the work that i've done is this aspect of curating and really thinking very carefully about who is sort of within that circle like who am i developing these relationships with 
and also helping, I've, you know, helped a lot of my clients over the years to think about how are you curating? Are you just taking every meeting or are you taking the time to sort of understand which meetings make sense and which meetings don't? And are you spending time with people who are really helping you? Or are you spending time with people who uh, might be taking a lot of your time, but not actually helping you accomplish anything? Do you think that people who are new in their business make a big mistake then by taking too many meetings with people that it's not going to, you know, it's a Oh, waste yes. Oh, yes. And, and it's one of those things where <sighs> there's the idea of sort of like get out there, right? Um, and, you know, get to know sort of, you know, as many, you know, as many people as you can and all of this other stuff. But the issue with overburdening yourself with meetings, with conversations, is that you basically eliminate your ability to over deliver. So if you've got too many people that you're keeping track of and too many people that you're having conversations with, there's absolutely no way that you're going to be able to give the mm -hmm. same level of attention to that large of a group. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so let's say, you know, these people that have thousands of connections on LinkedIn, right? Yep. Are they doing it for the, the follow me? Cause I'm amazing. And the, I mean, you can see I'm amazing cause I have 20,000 followers or are they, is that a mistake in the sense that um, they're not building relationships with people? I mean, you know, I'm a relationship person. So to me, that's uh, number one, it's important that the relationships I have mean something. And secondly, that because of that, and I'm, I, this is a question coming here around that is um, I value my relationships with people so that I don't just connect them with, connect anyone to them like yep. it has to make sense does that do you find what you know what i'm talking about number one yeah. number two yeah. yeah what do you think yeah i mean i think that you uh, your your reputation goes out every time you make an introduction right uh and if you make an introduction and you haven't really vetted the other person um, and there's no conversation about that vetting, you know, and, and the other person has no idea who they're being introduced to and, and it ends up being a poor, uh, a poor experience, they will, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, look at you as the person who caused that issue, right? right. Like, right. It's, just, it's just a given. So the thing is, you can, I mean, everybody can play their social media game, right? And you can add as many people as you want and be as big as you want and all those, you know, all those different types of things. But at some point, you are, will have to deal with the other side of that, which is the reckoning that comes from having a massive group of people and no way to, you know, potentially serve them. Right. And, and, you know, and, and help them or build relationships with them. Right. So it's like you, you can only, I mean, there's the whole concept of Dunbar's number, right. Which is that we can only hold 150 people in our minds and sort of like 
basically manage about 150 relationships if, you know, it's just us trying to figure it, you know, trying to figure it all out. Now, because technology has given us what in essence would be considered an external brain, we can now put those people into spreadsheets. We can have those people on social media so we can manage a much, much larger number, right? But ultimately, we have to put our attention and our energy somewhere. And if we're trying to put all of our attention and energy into thousands upon thousands of connections all at the same time. No, nothing that we do is going to have any significance. Right. Cause it doesn't land the right in the right way because it's too general. In, in exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just a couple of quick questions before we, we um, finish up here and sure. Again, because I'm curious, as you are, and I love that. That's one of the, the things that, that um, makes me keep going with my podcast, my curiosity. Are you yeah. uh, read books today or are you an audible reader? Do you listen to podcasts or do you watch um, mostly on video things? What, what's your favorite? Um, I mean, I really love reading um, and I do read, I do read physical books quite a bit. Um, I also, you know, have a, have a Kindle reader app on my phone and I, and I read a lot of stuff through, through that. Uh, I listen, I listen to podcasts as they come up. Um, so if friends of mine are on shows or if things pop up that I think, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I will sort of go in that direction. Um, you know, anytime somebody sort of recommends something to check, you know, check out, uh, that I think might be fun to watch or, or, or sort of listen to, I'll do that. Um, but I, I do make it a point to, try to absorb new information every day, something that is going to be interesting to me, something that's going to just get me to think a little bit differently. Uh, I do always try to, uh, you know, watch something or read something or get something new kind of into my, uh, into my orbit to be thinking about. Aren't you doing a daily email? Yes. Yep. Yes. That's fairly new, right? I've uh, I've actually been writing the daily email since 2017, so I've been doing oh, it for a while. Yeah, kind of like Seth Godin because I get his every day. Oh, yep. I now have to get yours. So there you go. <laughs> okay, I hadn't because I'm in the process of trying to wean my emails, and then I'll be starting another group. Right. So yeah. it's just a, <laughs> I like to learn something new every day. So that's fascinating. Um, and. Uh, we talked about this earlier on and I just mentioned it now, but because curiosity is one of my favorite words, I just like to ask you today, what are you curious about? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have recently been teaching um, a course on writing um, and I have been very, very curious recently about sort of what are the elements of writing that cause us to remember, uh, remember certain writing. And basically be like, oh, I want to read, you know, I, I want to read more on this. I want to think more about that. Uh, and I recently read something uh, about sort of a sentence structure that creates like a hypnotic effect um, that I'm really, really interested in sort of just digging deeper into and, and getting a better understanding of it was just, you know, a random article that a friend had sent me kind of thing. Um, but that's what I'm spending a lot of my time thinking about right now because I've been teaching this. Uh, I've I've been teaching this six-week class on uh, writing consistently, uh, oh. and 
Yeah. And I've just been really, really interested in thinking a lot about sort of how all of that works. That's fascinating to me because I am, I don't, I don't see myself as a writer at all. I struggle with writing. I'm more of an editor than a writer and I'm a mm-hmm. talker. So that's why I'm doing a podcast, but that fascinates me. And I also see from that though, that you, uh, once a teacher, always a teacher, right? Yeah. So you're, you're able to teach whatever it is that, that you want to in your own way. And I love that. Um, so um, I had a last question and now it's gone from my head. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. I, I know this is a little uh, cliche, but do you have a favorite quote? There's a, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's always a bunch. Um, <laughs> I, I put you on the spot, so don't worry about it. No, no, no. Um, so there's one that I really like uh, from Earl Nightingale and I actually wrote an email about it. Um, and it is basically um, that, it's not that successful people don't have problems. It's that su- successful people have figured out how to overcome their problems. Mm-hmm. And he was one that of personal relationship people, wasn't he? You know, yes. Yeah. He was one of the early, early personal development uh, speakers. And, and uh, that's in his course. He has a, he has an audio called lead the field. Uh, and it is just, fascinating and there's a lot of really really great stuff uh in that and that's one of the one of the many quotes uh the other one is that um before you can do something you must be something uh was another one that i really liked uh that came out of that program it's fantastic um do you go to movies this is now an aside because i just wondered if you're a person so are you a movie person that i kind of wonder if you're maybe one of those uh uh, adventure sci-fi kind of people. Yes, indeed. I, I see, I see practically every Marvel movie. Um, like that is one of my main, like I grew up on comic books as a kid. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm usually the one to go and see the, um, you know, the Marvel movies on like the night before they come out. Um, Star Wars, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of those series type, you know, types of things. I, uh, I, I definitely get into quite a bit. So this is where we part ways, Michael. I'm, <laughs> and I'm about people. I, I grew up on comic books, but they were Archie comics. It was about the characters mm, for me. Yeah. And the reality of it all. So anyway, it's a great place to end our conversation because we're parting ways on that one. Yeah. And delightful to talk to you. And so um, not only entertaining, but educational and I know I could talk to you further and we're going to have to do this again because there's so much to learn from you. And I find, no, honestly, I find you fascinating and you. a great conversationalist. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. And, thanks for having uh, me. Where would you like, and I will put it in the show notes. Where would you like people to find you if they um, are looking, I think small, um, small pond yeah. enterprises. Yep. Yeah. The website is small pond enterprises. And if anybody's curious about their referability, they can just go to my referability rater.com and that will tell you how referable you are. Ooh, I like that. So is that uh, my referability dot, um, my referability rater.com as in R A T E R. Yep. Okay. That's the first place I'm going just to check it out. Awesome. (laughs) So thank you 
so much, Michael, again, and thank you to my audience for listening. And I know there's some valuable nuggets here around relationship marketing and building relationships with people. So please let us know what you thought, leave a review, and thank you so much for your time. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.